This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Voices of Experience, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, technology strategist and futurist, Crystal Washington. Now that we've all transitioned to digital events, how would you like to have big name sponsors pay you for the privilege of being a part of your event? Is it time to go back home and leverage past experiences to win new contracts? You're in for a treat today as we have Ramon Ray and Susan Fru in VOE studio to share their juiciest tips. Are you ready? Let's go. On this segment of Voices of Experience, we have Ramon Ray. Now, if you are unfamiliar with Ramon Ray, first off, I don't know how that's possible because he's so active in the National Speakers Association and he gave us a fire interview already on Voices of Experience, but we had to pull him back to talk about the power of sponsorships. Now, not only does Ramon have plenty of experience in attracting sponsors for his in-person events, but one month post-COVID-19 impact, so a month after it impacted and all of our events were canceled, Ramon has an event scheduled for over 1,000 attendees and four large sponsors. Who better is there to talk to us about the power sponsorships? Thank you so much for joining us, Ramon. Crystal, it's always good to be back. Always good to share with my fellow NSA speakers. And thank you for having me. Glad to share and help others. Let's dig right in. First question that anyone's listening that's wondering this because there's a very small select few groups of, of people, of speakers who know how to track sponsorships. Most of us, that's not part of our model, but we all look at you and we salivate. We're like, how are you doing this? What is the first step to getting started with sponsorships? Yeah, I think especially whether you're talking about online or offline, and we can dive into that as much as you want. But I think especially for online, talking about post-COVID, mm-hmm. I think finding out surgically and laser-like who has the need. I look through my whole list. We all have a list. And I just cut out those who wouldn't be a fit, those who probably didn't have big budgets, and those who were not worried and looking, how can we project our brand online? So I kind of reverse engineered the event exactly for them and fed it up. Mm-hmm. That's how I started, if that makes sense. Okay. So we go through our list. We start to see the different companies and things we've worked for. And then we start to think who has brand messaging that they need to get out right now. Correct. And for example, let's take a small, uh, making it up a, uh, the, you know, a box company, probably okay. a wrong fit for doing an online or any uh, online event. Let's keep it online event box company. They're worried about and thinking about the things, mm-hmm. but a big global brand uh, could be car telecommunications. I'm making it up something in that realm. Mm-hmm. That's probably more fit. They're thinking we have to keep marketing. We have to keep, we have the budget to do it. We have billions or millions, but we can't just do 1-800, you know, Folgers, coffee or whatever it may be. So you need to find that brand that still needs to market, has thought leadership ready stuff. Okay. And that can tie that in to an event. So that's probably the better way to say it. Also combining the thought leadership stuff. Okay. Can, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's acceptable. Okay. So it's not just, it sounds like it's the opposite of what I call me centric marketing, where the events about you and your brand and Crystal's going to show you how to fluff your puff or whatever else. And then I contact 
I don't know, AT&T. And I say, AT&T, you need to be in front of people because I have this amazing, empowering event about fluffing your puff. You're saying, don't do that. Find what they need. And then you craft events around what they need. That is correct. And the smart brands, what I found is that some of them, you have to kind of educate or gently smack on the back of the hand. They want to push talking about telecommunication, let's say buy our phones, whatever. But as they're getting smarter, because don't forget, we all went through this panic and I'm seeing behind the scenes messaging documents, Crystal. Mm-hmm. There are PR teams and agencies. I've seen the documents, at least from my clients. And it says, listen, we can't pitch New York Times or the Wall Street Journal about phone plans. We can't market 2% off. Generally speaking, the larger brands, they got smart real quick. It doesn't work. So we have our executive who also is at home. What the heck can she do? Ah, in my case, Ramon's event or Crystal's event or any of our peers, just make it up and then get them on board. That's what it is, Crystal. Make it up. Get them on board. Hey, your big executives at home, they're a leader. They know how to lead people. They know how to deal with empathy, how to speak, how to deal with kindness, how to get through calamity. Mm-hmm. Would you like to be part of our event to speak on that, if that kind of makes sense, how I had to reverse engineer, craft it, and feed it to them like it's a no-brainer for them to be a part of. What's powerful about this and the epiphany that I just had is that it's not just about getting the dollars. You're giving their people an opportunity to be there as thought leaders as well. So it's not just give us money so that there's a booth or so that we flash your ads if this is virtual. It's you're a part of it. You get a chance to speak. You're with this lineup, and so you're presented as a thought leader. That's exactly right. And Crystal, that's, I think, a very important thing is that the smarter brands, and if they're looking to do this and get them to say yes, they need, they have to have some way to get their executive out there or their brand in some way, but the, but the brand brands don't talk. Business cards don't talk. Logos don't talk. So their executive has to get out there. And mm-hmm. that's where the key, they have the budget, they have the money, they're looking. We still want to be in the market and the smart ones know we can't sell. So they know they're not going to say buy our cloud offering, buy our widget, buy our gadget. It's, Hey, I'm Jeremy. I'm Bridget. I am a big company, so that's there a little bit, but right. here's how we can serve. Here's how we're helping small businesses. Right, right, which we're seeing with a lot of the banks. I know when I've, I've actually been sponsored by financial institutions, yeah. and that was the messaging. It's, this is how we help you as a small business. And it's right. not pitching the bank, but of course, after they offer the help, people already come back to them. Now, something right. that's interesting is your event has four large sponsors, which means that you didn't just craft an event that only works for one, you found four different companies. Is there a trick to this? I'm assuming you can't get competitors in there. You can't have Coke and Pepsi at the same time. Yeah, typically. Small of an event. I, sometimes I wish Crystal because I've had competitors come and I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm a small business. This is my headquarters. I don't front. I'm small potatoes. So I'm like, can I do it? But, but really, uh, Crystal, for this one, mm-hmm. I, um, I faked it. Faked it meaning in a good way. So, mm-hmm. I, so one, I only went to people I knew. If that's okay. Helpful. I didn't start to cold call if I know whatever brand it could be. We'll use Burt's Bees safe. I know the VP of marketing at Burt's Bees. Okay. We've worked together. You trust me. That's one. I put her face, his face on the website and built it. Then I went back to them. Guys, I know this is public. Forgive me. Sorry. Forgive first rather than repent, whatever it is. I said, here's your, here's how it looks. Mm -hmm. And I believe Crystal. That got them in when, when, you know, it's hard to give examples, but you get what I'm saying. When the telecom right. sees the bank, when the bank sees the notebook manufacturer, when they see the famous sales uh, software, uh-huh. all for their level VP, SVP. Mm-hmm. So I hope this helps. It sounds weird, but it's the Ramonish way. It's kind of when they see it, it's like, 
everybody's like, great, give us two days to decide if we can do it. Or one or two said, you know, could you please take down our executive space real quick? Because whatever issues, and I respect that. Right, down, right. And they came back and said, put it up. But most, since they trust me, I said, it's not public. Nobody's mm-hmm. seen it yet. Okay. Because they could click they're all on their phones and they can have their conference calls. Right. They they're busy and confused too. And be like, Hey, Ramon's doing this. They trust me. Mm-hmm. The guy who you've known, here's the landing page. Do we do it? That's kind of how the process was. I love it. It's like you, it's, it's like in real estate where you're staging a house so people can imagine how it look with their stuff in it. You stage the website for the company so they can see how they would belong in the scheme of things. That is freaking brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh yes, that's, so I love, that's why I love interviewing with you. <laughs> you, you. You've crafted exactly what I tried to say. That's exactly what it was staging it. And, and isn't it true, Crystal? You take a look at a home. Take my home here, whatever it is. You know, it's empty because mm-hmm. I live in a townhouse area, the development kind of place. So okay. the, the home next to me, it's not empty. It's not rented. Okay. It's empty. That home looks better than my home. I mean, it's like perfect couches and all this. Mm-hmm. Why? Because when people come in, huh, we could imagine living here. That's exactly what I did with my event. Yes. Okay. But it takes a little bit of boldness. You can't be shy and do that. And it also sounds like it takes vision and initial investment because you had to invest either the time or the money. I always tell everyone, everything costs either time or money. If you're lacking in one, you have to use the other to actually put it together ahead of time. So I love that. Now, because you now have so much experience with live events and you, you parlayed that into immediately doing, you know, virtual, is there a big difference in working with sponsors from one versus the other? Have you, have you seen any differences? It's a good question, Chris. And I thought about that myself because I don't know if I'm going to go back to me producing in-person events again. Oh, wow. But, um, I'm still going to be doing it, but me doing the time and effort. But I think the, the one big, two big differences I see at the top of my head, I think one is the aspect of, um, uh, the venue. And it, okay. it sounds like, duh, but that element brings in a lot. Where are we at? Upper, lower level lighting? Do we need a high uh, a staging? All those things that we speakers are part of the, this, the we're part of the cast. Right. When you're producing it, your mind's a little okay. different because you're, you have to create what you've been on the cast of. That makes sense what I'm trying to say. So it that's does. one big difference. And two, sounds minor again, but food. I mean, food is, a, is one third, whatever the cost, but it's a major ticket item from events. So mm-hmm. that was the big difference. And one thing, if we have time, Chris, I just want to run back to yes. uh, what I invested in real quick is the imagery. So I did already ahead of time pay a designer. I took my own time mm-hmm. to build a page. I used okay. one of the popular landing page tools out there. Okay. But I did pay my designer to do relatively good design at okay. some point because I couldn't, I did some myself on Canva, but I also had to staging it. Mm-hmm. It had to look as good as I could. So that I invested a little bit just to have it look good. Okay. And I love to share tools. So you used a tool like lead pages or click funnels or something like that. Cause again, to me, this, we're trying to give everybody the resources. Cause it, what's going to happen is Ramon, people are going to listen to this, this interview on our podcast and they're going to immediately go out and say, I need some of that Ramon money. And, and so we want to make sure. I'll share it. I mean, I, you know, I'm always conscious amongst our family and peers. Is Ramon selling? Is he getting some commission or affiliate link? I'm like, no, but so yes, I use lead pages two days. Okay. I would do at my kitchen. Tell my wife, honey, sorry, I can't talk. All day. Uh-huh. So lead pages. I use Canva to get images and things like that in. I connected mm-hmm. it to Eventbrite. Okay. I used that here and connected the back end to Infusionsoft. But again, there's competing tools for all these, but that's yes. what I for my event. You just gave them the blueprint. Thank you so much. That was brilliant again. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Okay. 
So I, I want to be respectful of your time because I know that you're busy probably putting together stuff to make millions of more dollars if you've been this successful off the first event, right? And, and I actually, before I even ask that, this last question, I just want to key on on something that you just said. You said that you likely will not go back to producing your own events. You mentioned that. And then you talked about the online events not having to do the food. I think about the expenses. What, what hit me, the light bulb that went off is, oh, online events can be more lucrative. Like that's literally, like that's, that's what I zoned in on because whether you charge attendees the same amount or less, and even if you collect less in sponsorship dollars, which you don't necessarily have to, your expenses are so far cut that it would almost have to be more lucrative to do yeah. it virtually than in person. All day, Crystal. All day. You're so right. And we, you know, there's no, there's no time to go depth into it. But yes, that, that minimal point, correct. And as Mike McCallowitz, our fellow speaker, Profit First says, profit, mm-hmm. profit, profit, profit. I like profits. Okay, so last piece of advice, because I know you're busy making tons of money now. Um, if you're to give everyone listening to us right now just one piece of advice as it, as it applies to getting sponsorships, something that we haven't talked about, what one piece of advice would you give them that are listening to you right now? One piece of advice, I'm going to have to give it two ways. One, get the friends who you know who are the biggest dogs in the game, get them together. Whether you want to call me, Chris, whoever it is, David, all these people we know, get them together and just do an event. And then I have to say too, Crystal, is that too, go through your Rolodex of the big sponsors you know on a first name chill basis. Like where they can see with your hair not done, all those people, go to them. Get the big dogs, Mm -hmm. get your sponsors, Mm -hmm. create something and make money. Leveraging sponsors is just one way to increase your revenue. Niching is another. On this segment of Voices of Experience, we have Susan Fru, and Susan's going to talk to us about niches. Now, a little bit about Susan. Her plumbing, heating, and air conditioning company has won 40 awards, and it's made the Inc. 5000 list. And very soon, it's going to become crystal clear on why this is extremely relevant to the topic of niches. Thank you so much for joining us, Susan. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. First question, what is a niche and what's the benefit of already successful speakers better defining a niche for their business? Well, the great thing about niche for me is the fact that I really just prospect in that particular space. Mm. So plumbing, heating, air conditioning, any kind of contracting, any kind of construction, I tend to go towards that because I'm well known in that space based Mm. on the awards that we've won. Our company looks a lot bigger online than it does actually in person. Oh, wow. So I call that the puffer fish effect. So it looks a lot bigger than it really is. And that helps me to stay in my lane and get booked in that area. Okay. So for the already successful speakers, do you have any advice on how they can find their lane better? You know, everyone has their own brilliance, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I always joke that you can't turn zebras into llamas. So (laughs) be the best zebra you can possibly be. And I think that that's what I try to do in my niche, and I would offer that same advice, is find out what you're brilliant at and just continue to build on that. And it makes it a lot easier than to, I speak to everyone. Mm, because you already have the credibility in that space. Exactly. And so spreading the word and getting referrals becomes a little easier. Yes. Okay. So how do you balance your experience and authentic voice with identifying target markets for your business in a niche? Well, I usually just explain 
things that we have done at our own company, Mm -hmm. which gives me a really great connection with the audience. A lot of times my audience is all male. Okay. Being in in the trades and what have you. So I try to bring that credibility to the table when I'm speaking. And trades people like to listen to one of their own. Okay. If you will. And I think that's kind of the key to it is to really bring your authentic voice what are you doing at your company Mm. back yesterday that you can bring to the table and share with them today and I occasionally will get myself booked by saying I'm not just a talking head I actually live this every single day okay now that's powerful so not everyone listening right now has a company But what I took from what you said was, in my past experience, I was in the hospitality industry. It's very easy for me to get gigs in the hospitality industry Mm -hmm. because I can say, I've done this position, or I've been here, I know what RevPAR is, or all these things. So for those that are listening that don't have businesses, it sounds like they can reach back into the past and pull that as well. Absolutely. I even reach back as far as when I was with AT&T Wireless and I was on an international assignment. I have things that I can bring to the table. It's on my LinkedIn resume where people will look. Right. And, you know, I was also a business coach for seven years and people will look back at that, Mm. which gives you a lot more credibility with the audience, the speakers bureaus, the people who are booking you. Well, because I would imagine you can already speak their jargon, you know their perspectives, so there's a little bit less of an education. Yes. And probably less of a chance of you just introducing fluff that way. Exactly. I I don't do fluff. So, next question, and and you might have inadvertently answered this a second ago, being that you said that your audiences are mostly male. Do you always have to look or be of your target market? No. Um, There's two other markets that I love to speak to, and Mm -hmm. they are ones that really feed my soul. And some of them are Christian women's organizations and then just women's organizations. Mm -hmm. Because I am able to do a little bit different topics, not so much nut and bolts. It's more heart-centered topics, and that is a passion for me. So I will try to mix in those types of engagements Mm -hmm. into my regular repertoire of engagements for the year. So when you're speaking to the heating and plumbing professionals, right, as as you as a woman who I know everyone listening can't see you, but you're actually known to be very, very fashionable. Do you try to mirror your dress to what the audience wears or do you show up as your own brand? Like, how do you balance that piece out? No, au contraire. I wear a dress every single time and I wear the same dress. I actually have 10 of them. Oh. And it's the Ralph Lauren faux wrap dress and I've actually seen other speakers in photos Mm -hmm. with this dress on and I've thrifted all 10 of them. Oh my goodness. So the most I've paid for one was $22 and it retails for $170. Okay. Okay. So in this case you're not actually reflecting what's in the room but you have the knowledge set to be able to speak to them on, on their level and where they're at. Absolutely. Okay. So if you could give everyone listening one 10-minute homework assignment to define their target audience or their niche, what would it be? I would say just stream of consciousness, write down your brilliance and all of the things that have brought you to now in your life. So what are the things that you know most about that no one else knows? And focus on that. And that might not be your niche forever. Okay. Like if I could figure out a way to make a living just speaking to women's audiences, that would be fantastic for me. Right. And that is a goal. Right. But I really think that you need to write down and be honest with yourself and ask some of your friends. If you don't know what you're great at, ask some of your former co-workers or people that you know in your circle and have them tell you what you're great at. 
NSA leadership, staff, and members have been abundantly generous with business-growing information during this challenging time. Stay up to date with NSA COVID-19 updates and resources by visiting nsaspeaker.org forward slash COVID-19. Thank you for tuning in to Voices of Experience, the podcast of the National Speakers Association. Catch us on your favorite podcast app, YouTube, and NSA's social media profiles. I'll see you next week when we'll discuss Power Planning, what you can do right now to set yourself up for success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.